everyone. Uh, welcome to the Layman's channel. Um, if you've uh, landed on this channel for the first time, then I wish you a warm welcome. Uh, and I hope you find some uh, things on this channel that will encourage you in your faith and that will bless you and that will arm and equip you to go and live uh, your Christian life uh, in the troubles of the world that we all have to go through. So uh, without further ado, let's, uh, before we get into the, the word today, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We want to thank you, Lord God, that your word, Lord God, brings light and understanding, Lord, for your word says the entrance of your word brings light and gives understanding. And Lord, we just want to acknowledge you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. We declare him to be the King of Kings, the one in whom we trust, our Saviour, our Deliverer, our mighty, mighty King. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, that as we go through your word today, that once again you will bring revelation into the hearts of those that are watching and listening that Lord God that each one of them would receive uh, that manna from heaven from you that Lord God that it may feed them Lord I pray that whatever we do here Lord God doesn't just tickle ears but Lord God would bring people into a deeper understanding of who you are and what you've done and Lord once again I thank you Lord for this opportunity that you've given me, Lord God, to speak to people worldwide, Lord God, through this YouTube channel. Lord, I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you, Lord, also for the great and precious promises that you have given me. Where, Lord God, you said that you would anoint my lips to enhance the kingdom of God. And that, Lord God, that you would use me as a conduit to flow through. So, Lord, as I humble myself before you today, I pray that you would fulfill those words, but Lord God, that you would get all the glory. For Lord, that's the reason why I'm doing this, not to make a name for myself, Lord God, but to acknowledge you and to give glory to my Saviour, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. Um, I hope that you're all getting some uh, good spiritual meat out of these studies into the times in the New Testament when Jesus said the words, I am. And that I'm giving you something to ponder on and chew over as you progress in your relationships with the Lord. In our last study, we touched upon the divinity of Christ when he said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. We examined the scriptures where Jesus made a claim to be God and we saw that when he said, whenever he said something, we also understood that the Jews knew exactly what he was saying and what he was claiming to be. And that because they understood that, that was the very reason that they wanted to take him out and stone him to death for blasphemy because he claimed to be God. 
Uh, this time I'd like to turn our attention to the sentence Jesus spoke to his friend Martha after the death of her brother Lazarus. So let's read the scriptures from uh, John chapter 11 and verses 1 to 27. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble for he sees by his, this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. After he, uh, sorry, his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let's also go. <laughs> we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me shall live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I want to ask you the same question that Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Of all things that bring the shadows of doubt upon a person's coming to faith in Jesus, probably the biggest one of all is doubt in a bodily resurrection. Not just the resurrection of Christ and believing in that, but also resurrection in general. It can be a huge stumbling block to, uh, block to people coming to a faith in and knowledge of Jesus Christ. How can a man be raised from the dead? You're having a laugh, aren't you? Many people can be like Thomas, who was one of the twelve, and he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Forgive the pun, but having a firm belief in the resurrection is deadly serious. Why? Because at the end of time, everyone, regardless of faith or works, will be bodily resurrected. Paul says this when addressing Governor Festus in Acts chapter 24 and verse 15. I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Jesus himself said in John chapter 5 and verses 28 to 29, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. A time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. All who are in their graves. Resurrection was also a bone of contention among Jewish scholars themselves. There were two schools of thought, the Pharisees, who did believe in the resurrection of the body, and the Sadducees, who didn't. They believed in a resurrection of the soul. In Matthew 22, verses 31 to 32, uh, Jesus put the Sadducees to rights. He said, But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Well, that sure shut those, Pharisee, uh, those uh, Sadducees up. Jesus also put his listeners to rights about the resurrection during his declaration that he was the Good Shepherd. 
which we studied earlier on in this series. He said in John chapter 10 and verses 17 to 18, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. There is absolutely no doubt that Jesus knew exactly what his mission would be. Not just to take the punishment for sin that we deserved upon himself, but also to conquer death itself. And in conquering death, he has given mankind, you and me, a hope in the midst of our sinfulness that if we put our trust in him, we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and he is in the flesh, and we will be like him. Those are just a couple of the references to resurrection and the resurrection of Jesus in the New Testament. But what about the resurrection of Jesus in the Old Testament. They must be there, for Jesus says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 4 that Jesus was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now we know that when Paul wrote his epistles, the only scripture that was available to him to quote from was what we call the Old Testament, or what the Jews call the Tanakh. The Tanakh included the Torah, which was the law, the prophets and the writings, Proverbs, Psalms, um, the histories, etc. And there is an overt statement alluding to resurrection from Job in Job chapter 19, when he tells us in verses 25 to 27, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Job here states unequivocally that even after his skin has decayed, he will appear before God and see him in his flesh. There was not a shred of doubt in his statement of faith that he would be resurrected from the dead. I will see God, my eyes will see God. It's interesting to note the language Job uses in particular, the word he uses for lives. The Hebrew used here is flexible in its meaning. The word is chai. Chai. And it's used in the scriptures to describe how someone or something made of flesh is alive. And is also used for what you and I would call raw flesh. In Genesis 2 and verse 7, it's described 
It's used to describe how God made man alive. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living chae, living chae, being. In effect, Job was saying, I know that my Redeemer is alive in the raw flesh and that in the last day he will physically stand upon the earth. There are also other Old Testament scriptures that are types and shadows of Christ's resurrection. Jesus mentioned what happened to the prophet Jonah and relates it directly to himself in Matthew 12 and verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He is obviously here talking to them about his own death and resurrection. It cannot be anything else but his own death and resurrection. King David, in one of his prophetic psalms, says this, and this is uh, in Psalm 16. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I think it's obvious that David was referencing both himself and also referencing the Messiah in this passage. He says of himself, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead and of the Messiah, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Who is the Holy One? Certainly not David with his track record of sin and he would have never have considered himself as a holy one. Therefore, he must have been speaking prophetically about the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. In Psalm 22, when in this great Psalm of David, there is also a change of tone halfway through that goes from death to life. From verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And verse 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. And verses 17 to 18, all my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Those are obvious prophetic verses speaking of the Messiah's death upon the cross. But then we come to verse 24. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. And verses 27 to 28. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. These verses speak of life, not death. And in verse 29 and the second part of that verse, it says this. 
All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Cannot keep themselves alive. That's you and me. We cannot do anything to keep ourselves alive, which is why we need the Messiah, which is why we need Jesus and his power and his resurrection life. Because it's then that we will know true life and resurrection from the dead. Those scriptures speak of the Messiah's victory over death and his being exalted far above all others. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place that at the, and given him the name that is above every name, name, that at the name of Jesus every knee must bow on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We can also see in the book of Isaiah and chapter 23, that great chapter about the suffering servant, how there is a clear progression from death to life in verses 10 to 11. In those verses, we can clearly see that progression playing out. It says this, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. The Hebrew word used here, which translates into English as prolong, explicitly refers to an everlasting afterlife in the flesh. The good news for you and me is that Jesus has complete command over resurrection. He had complete command over it for himself, for he said, I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. And he has complete command and authority over resurrection for you and for me. For he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I, I hope that you realise that these are not exhaustive studies on the subjects that I'm bringing to you each week. However, I also sincerely hope that I've been able to pique your interest into doing your own study into these truths especially about the resurrection. Maybe in your own study times, you'll come up with something that I haven't been able to cover in these sessions, for these sessions are only really brief. If you do, then don't be shy about leaving a comment below. I am always awaiting a new revelation. And I'll leave you today with a line from a passage of scripture that I cannot seem to break away from and how it's captivated my attention for over a year now. 
Colossians 1 verse 18 says, He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. The supremacy belongs to Jesus, for he holds the keys to death itself. And if we believe in him, put our trust in him, ask him to forgive us our sins, to repent of our sins, to receive him as our Lord and Saviour, then one day we will see him face to face, for we will see him as he is, for we shall be like him. And he is the resurrection. He is the life. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Amen.